This is Carol McLeod, and it's my delight to teach the Word of God to you twice weekly here on the Charisma Podcast Network. Welcome to Lesson 5 of Meanwhile. If you've been joining me for any period of time, you know that this Bible study, Meanwhile, is an in-depth study on the life of Joseph from the Old Testament. Joseph was favored by his father, bullied by his brothers, and eventually Joseph will become the second in command in the land of Egypt. But for now, let's rejoin Joseph on his quest to find his brothers somewhere between Shechem and Dothan and see what these challenging brothers of Joseph are up to now. Let's dig in. Joseph could have remained as a little shepherd boy, taking care of his daddy and his brothers. If that had been the case, he would not have been a young man with any historical significance. We might not even know Joseph's name. But rather than leave him in the creature comforts of a wealthy home, God took Joseph into uncomfortable situations so that he could save an entire people group. This is the amazing thing about our God, is that God can take injustice and cruelty and family abuse and hard-hearted family members and unfair accusations and turn those things into history-shaping events. That's what God did with Joseph, and that's what he can do for you as well. Well, we left Joseph last week on a journey to find his brothers who had bullied him. He'd been sent by his father to check on his older brothers who were apparently pasturing their father's flock in Shechem. But when Joseph arrived in Shechem, his brothers weren't there. And Joseph came upon a nameless man who had overheard a conversation that his brothers had. And this nameless man informed Joseph that his brothers had moved on to Dothan. Now, let me remind you what we know about Dothan. Dothan was an old place. It was a run-down place. It was a city whose best days had come and gone. So don't miss the symbolism here. Joseph was hated by his brothers for being a dreamer, for looking to the future and seeing that God could do something great with an ordinary person. But Joseph's older brothers had nowhere to go but to the old ruts of yesterday. They couldn't dream. All they could do was cling to the old, the out of date, and the antiquated. Let's begin today by studying from Genesis 37, verses 18 and 19. And when they saw him, that's Joseph's brothers, saw Joseph from a distance. And before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. 
And they said to one another, here comes the dreamer. So Joseph's brothers saw him coming from a distance, most likely because he had on his brightly colored tunic. You could see this kid a mile away. He was covered from his neck to his fingertips to his feet in a coat that shouted of love and of care. And Joseph's brothers didn't like it. They didn't like it one little bit. And so they mocked him by saying, here comes the dreamer. You know, it's interesting to me as I read these two verses that the worst thing they could say about Joseph was that he was a dreamer. They didn't say he'd been unkind to them. Apparently, Joseph wasn't selfish. He wasn't a whiner. He wasn't a pesky little brother. But what he was, was a dreamer. So as you know, I always like to take these verses and apply them to our personal lives. So let me ask you this. What does the world say about you when you're walking down the road of life? It's a valid question, isn't it? Does the world see you covered from head to toe in the Father's love for you? Do you have on your garment of praise? Do they hear the song that you're singing, even though you're walking a dusty road? Make sure, my friend, that when the world accuses you, because it will, that it can't find anything of substance to accuse you of, just like Joseph. If all the world can say about you is that you're a dreamer and that you sing too much, I'll take it. How about you? Genesis 37, verse 20. Now then, come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And we will say, a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. So the brothers had murder in their eyes. They were liars and they were jealous. Listen, as I think about the people who are probably doing this Bible study online, you know what? I'm honestly not afraid that any one of you listening today is going to murder anybody. I really am not concerned about that. However, I am concerned about what jealousy might do to you. Jealousy will turn you into somebody that you don't want to be. Jealousy these brothers were jealous of Joseph. Jealousy led to murder. And jealousy, my friend, will shift your perspective from being caring and being concerned to desiring something evil to happen to someone. Oh, yes, it does. So are you jealous of someone? Deal with it right now today. Put it behind you. Get over it. Be content with what you have and thank God for your blessings. The way to overcome jealousy is by being a grateful person. It works every single time. If you know that you have a problem with jealousy, turn the table on the enemy and become the most grateful person of all time. I'd rather have a grateful problem than a jealousy problem, wouldn't you? I'd rather be known for being way too grateful than for even having a smidge of jealousy in my human soul. Let's move on to Genesis 37 verses 21 and 22. But Reuben heard this and rescued Joseph out of their hands and said, let's not take his life. Reuben further said to them, shed no blood, 
throw him into this pit that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him. Reuben was thinking that he might rescue Joseph out of their hands to restore him to their father. So Reuben, the oldest brother, is trying to do something good. He is trying to save Joseph. He said that he didn't want there to be any shedding of blood. Reuben said to his brothers, you know what? You can put him in the pit, but do not kill our little brother. It was in Reuben's heart to restore Joseph to their father. But I have to tell you, I'm not that impressed by Reuben in this situation. He's trying to please people. He's he's smacking of a little bit of controlling the situation without really being a true leader. Reuben is afraid of rocking the boat too much. Reuben was the oldest son and he should have known better. He should have called an end to their perverse plans. He should have said, guys, we are not doing it. We will not kill our little brother. We're going to send him home to daddy in one piece. That's what a leader would do. That's what a heart of compassion would do. If anyone had a backbone in this situation, it should have been Reuben. You know, in every situation in life, There needs to be somebody with a backbone. There needs to be somebody who will take on the role of a leader. And I want to call you forth today, you who are listening to this podcast, you who are listening to this Bible study, have a backbone. Take a stand for righteousness. Don't be controlled by the culture. Don't be a people pleaser. Be a God pleaser. When someone is being mistreated, speak up and draw a line and say, no, we are not going to do that. We are going to preserve this person. We're going to be kind to this person. We're going to protect this person. Be a leader. Don't be a Reuben. Be a godly leader. Genesis 37, verse 23. So it came about when Joseph reached his brothers. Remember, he still isn't there. They're just talking about him as he's walking down the road that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the very colored tunic that was on him. Now, in this story, I often compare Joseph's brothers to the world that we live in today. And just like Joseph's brothers are trying to ruin his very existence, they're coming against him because he was their father's favorite son, the world will try to come against you as well. And what the world and your situation and your circumstances and your arch enemy, the devil, will try to do to you is take off your garment of praise. Because in this story, that's what Joseph's tunic symbolizes. It symbolizes our garment of praise. So the world will endeavor to strip you of your garment of praise. You know, the garment of praise that the Father has provided for you is a robe of leadership and it's a robe of royalty. My friend, the enemy will try to tell you, you're nobody special, but oh, you are. You are the Father's favorite child and he has given you the garment of praise to signify your special and intimate relationship with him. The world will try to get you in a place where you don't feel like worshiping. 
you know, Joseph was stripped of his robe that symbolized his special relationship with his father. And I wonder what he felt like in this moment. But my friend, don't ever give in to your feelings of not feeling like worshiping. Worship is the choice. It is the practice that symbolizes your intimate and special relationship with the Lord. So don't let anything or anybody rob you of the moment in every day when you choose to worship the Father. Genesis 37, 24, and they, that's Joseph's brothers, took Joseph and threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty without any water in it. Now there is a word that's used three times. It's used in verses 20, 22, and 24, and it's the word throw or through. That's what the New American Standard Bible says that it is, throw or through. But let me tell you, it's a more powerful word than that. It's the Hebrew word salak, S-A-L-A-K. And it's always 100% of the time used with the placing of a dead body in a grave. And so they weren't just tossing Joseph in to a little pit. They knew that when they put him in there, he would die in that place. Their intention was that he would die there, that the pit would become Joseph's grave. Actually, they threw him into a cistern. Some translations do use this word cistern. Some use the word pit. But they were throwing Joseph into a dried up cistern. A cistern was shaped like a bottle. It had a small opening at the top that was covered by a stone. A cistern was hewn in a deep place in a rock. And there was a narrow vertical shaft near the top that was used for letting down pitchers. So if you can picture this cistern that's shaped like a bottle with a stone on the top, you will know that Joseph's chances of escaping alive are minimal at best. So we're talking about some of the things that the world will try to do to a believer in Christ. Now, after the world tries to take your garment of praise off of you, the second thing that the enemy or the world, or our culture will try to do, is to throw you into a pit. Throw you into a pit of despair, of depression, and of hopelessness, and you just know you're not going to get out of there alive. In this pit, there is no sustenance. There's no potential for growth or for nourishment. This pit that the enemy wants to throw you in, my friend, will cut off your water supply. There will be no refreshment in this pit. Now, Back to the story of Joseph. What had Joseph done to deserve this? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Well, he had dreamed a few dreams and perhaps been guilty of youthful enthusiasm, of maybe basking in his father's love for him, but he certainly didn't deserve the pit, and neither do you. Some of you might be going through life saying, I deserve this. I'm nobody special. No wonder I'm a pit dweller. But my friend, no child of God deserves to live their life in the pit. If you take off your garment of praise, you might land in the black pit of depression and hopelessness. And so I want to tell you, put on your worship, put on your garment of praise 
and climb out of the pit. You have an enemy just like Joseph did, and your enemy wants to salak you, throw you into a place where you will die. Now, in the pit of depression or hopelessness or despair, you might not literally die there, but your future will become a mere skeleton. You will cease to dream dreams. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. You will die in this black hole. You will lose your ability to live a vibrant life. Your joy will die and your peace will dry up if you stay in the pit that the enemy has thrown you in. So the only way out of the pit is to put on the garment of praise and climb the ladder of worship out of the pit. Genesis 37, verse 25. Then the brothers sat down to eat a meal. And as they raised their eyes and looked, behold, a caravan of Ishmaelites was coming from Gilead with their camels bearing aromatic gum and balm and myrrh on their way to bring them down to Egypt. Do you see how this verse starts? Do you see how verse 25 starts? The brothers sat down to eat. They are so evil. They are so cruel that after they roughed Joseph up, after they stole his clothes and threw him into an empty, muddy pit, they sat down to dine. Have they no hearts? They are smacking and burping away while Joseph is in the pit. But I can guarantee you this, this will be the last time in the story of Joseph that the brothers eat without the help of Joseph. There will come a day when their daily sustenance will depend upon the kindness of Joseph. God sees what's going on in Joseph's life and God will settle the score. I think that the one thing that I'm learning from the story of Joseph so far is that how I treat people matters. It matters very, very much. And so today, let's resolve to be kinder than people deserve and to give words of encouragement rather than criticism. And now let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. And we just repent that we've not always treated people the right way. But Lord, today is a new day and your mercies are new every morning. So we just confess that we need your help with these difficult, challenging people in our lives. Lord, would you give us your heart toward the people who are in our world. Lord, we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.